Welcome to Fifth Wall's Fly on the Wall podcast, where we explore the shifts occurring in real estate, technology, and society that are driving our cities towards a more equitable, green, and tech-enabled future. I'm your host, Brendan Wallace. In today's episode, I catch up with Laura Hines Pierce, Senior Managing Director of the Office of the CEO at Fifth Wall Limited Partner, Hines. Given the firm's unique perspective as a landlord with in-house flexible office capabilities, Laura shares detail around the creation of Heinz flexible work product and provides a forward-looking outlook for the future of the office. She also shares findings from Heinz's research in health and wellness, outlining the surprising impacts buildings can have on employee productivity. Enjoy the episode. Laura, thank you so much for, for joining. Where are you coming in from today? Yeah, thanks for having me, Brendan. I am uh, hopefully loud and clear from, from Houston, um, hunkered down at home. Um, really, you know, it'd be nice to uh, be working from, from somewhere else, and I managed to, to do that a little bit earlier in this, but I'm actually expecting my first child in a week, <laughs> so... We need to be near our doctor, and uh, we're hunkered down waiting for that. Wow, congratulations. Um, what a unique time on, on so many respects, like in so many levels. Um, so many levels. Yeah. So can you just give people maybe a bit of background on Heinz and your company and kind of the, the breadth of the organization, because it's, it's so diverse? <clears throat> yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Heinz is sometimes a little bit of a um, challenging organization to understand because um, a lot of our partners or investors or tenants or clients work with us in, in one aspect but don't necessarily have the, the full picture. And, um, you know, I do think that um, it can be a little challenging. So let me take a step back. We are, um, we're a global company. So we are currently in, I think, uh, 200 and uh, 25 cities around the world, um, but headquartered in Houston. And we really operate across, um, you know, uh, the asset class spectrum. So across office, industrial, retail, multifamily, and living. Um, and then we also are vertically integrated in our offerings from, you know, everything from uh, development to investment management, uh, through to property management, engineering, facilities management. And so um, we, we really sort of operate across the risk spectrum, across, um, you know, asset classes on a global basis, um, which can be, you know, quite a fabric, you know, quilt fabric to uh, tie together. But um, also, I think creates a lot of opportunities for our firm as we think about how you know real estate is moving into the future. Absolutely, and I imagine just being kind of so vertical, but also so horizontal, like that breadth of, of, of Heinz geographically and with respect to product, it gives you a really unique lens to look at how technology is changing um, the real estate business, and then. I'm curious at a very high level, you know, Heinz, I think, has always taken a very forward posture on technology and innovation. And 
where did that come from? Was that kind of always part of your company's DNA? Like, where, where did that really originate? Yeah, um, you know, I have to say, I think it really originated with my grandfather. Um, you know, he he has always been an innovator, and he has always um, seen the value of really getting in the weeds and and seeing. Um, how buildings operate, what what drives them forward. He, you know, he was a mechanical engineer by training, and that was, you know, one very distinct way that he approached real estate um, to really be constantly innovating on, you know, how buildings operate and how to make them more efficient and better, you know, better uses of space for the occupant and or the owner. Um, and so, you know, that really has been built into our DNA, if you will, that we're constantly looking for ways to, you know, really make buildings work better for the, the end user or for, you know, um, to make them more efficient for our investors. And, you know, especially in, you know, recent years, that really has meant technology. Um, and, and so I think as we've been you know, continuing to push forward and dig in, um, you know, technology is another tool in our tool belt, if you will, to um, really improve the built environment. Yeah, and, and I imagine just differentiate your product to the, to the end customers. I remember when we first started working together, which was, you know, three and a half years ago, one of the first major initiatives we worked on was what we were calling kind of flexible office, which was that, you know, demand for office space was changing. Tenants were asking for greater levels of flexibility. I think flex office had almost at the time become synonymous with WeWork. I think that's probably no longer the case, probably for good reason. Um, but I remember working with Heinz and um, how we kind of worked with you around your partnership with Industrious and how successful that has been for for Heinz, for Industrious, for Fifth Wall, but can you just kind of walk through what that partnership looked like from your side of it, from a landlord side of it? How did you view Flex Office? How did you view Industrious as serving your priorities? Sure. So, you know, I think I think you're exactly right that that was really one of the first areas we zeroed in on as, um, you know, an area that's really changing in the real estate industry and where we felt like we really had a unique uh, perspective to add to the conversation, if you will. And the reason we felt that is because of our vertical integration. And so you know, I mentioned it earlier, we not only build buildings, but we own them alongside investors and we operate them. And, you know, what we were really starting to see flex space as was uh, in some ways an amenity really to to our most important tenants. To the tenants, existing tenants. To existing tenants, yeah. And to, you know, and, and to big um, enterprise tenants that were looking at sort of their entire space portfolio. And, uh, you know, that's a, a little bit of a different way of approaching it. And when you think about it that way, where it's really part of the, the package of the building in some ways of what, um, what tenants are looking for in, in their space and, and the flexibility that space gives them. 
flex office becomes a way to, to offer that. And <clears throat> what we saw as an opportunity as being part of the ownership and or part of the management of the building was to really integrate our experience with, uh, with that of a flex operator and flex in, in flex space. Um, you know, Industrious has been such a great partner in that. They really, you know, I think matched our needs in terms of uh, offering a really high end, um, really at the high end of the, uh, the spectrum of service and quality of the, the space. And so, you know, I think bringing our experience with, um, you know, building systems, building designs, as well as our full building management tied in with Industrious's experience at the high end of the flex workspace and the service off offering within the flex workspace has been a really, I think, unique marriage that we're, um, we're really excited about. We've opened our first two uh, locations for the square in Houston and Salt Lake. And, um, you know, unfortunately they were open this year and so it's been a little bit of a, you know, um, a unique <laughs> start to those, uh, to those spaces. But, you know, we're seeing um, similar occupancy in those spaces to the rest of the building. Um, and, you know, I think um, we're actually seeing quite a bit of increased um, interest in those spaces, um, really already at pre-COVID levels um, on that interest, because I think we move forward, you know, in, in this current environment and world we live in, I think flexibility is going to become, I'd say, even more important than it was before. Yeah, and I want to come back to that, kind of how demand for flex office might actually increase as, you know, greater flexibility is demanded by tenants and people are working more, more remotely. But just going back to the industrious partnership, one of the things that was so interesting from our position to be a part of was, you know, when we first started Fifth Ball, we had this thesis that we could connect these large institutional real estate corporates like Heinz to these early stage companies like Industrious. And, you know, one part of that was, you know, the corporates learning from the early stage companies. But the other side of it that isn't talked a lot about is how much the early stage companies, our portfolio companies can learn from large corporates. And I thought, the industrious partnership just highlighted that so clearly because I remember Heinz's point of view, which is there's a better way to align the incentives uh, of the landlord and what the landlord is trying to accomplish with flex office versus this, this paradigm that's kind of emerged with the WeWork model of master leasing and your ability to educate them and enable them to morph and kind of tailor their business model to better meet your needs was really exciting to see because in some ways you were the genesis of what really transformed that business and made it, I think, probably the most landlord-friendly flex op option. And that really came from Heinz. And that was really cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. And just to dig into that, you know, um, you know, I think the system that we work put in place around, you know, master leases, I think, um, you know, was in some ways necessitated by some of the capital markets requirements of, you know, they wanted master leases in place. They wanted, uh, they didn't really know how to understand flex office space any other way. And I think what has been great with, um, 
you know, with Industrious is, is two major players, you know, with Heinz and Industrious um, coming together and saying, you know, this is really about an amenity for the building. This has got to be more of a, a service agreement structure where, you know, yes, there should be upside and yes, the owner should participate in that to the extent um, it's there. But, you know, we need to think more holistically about, you know, what this world looks like. And I think now capital markets are catching up to that. And, you know, um, that, that uh, marriage is really, I think, leading the way in that. Yeah. And it's interesting when you look at like what co-working did, it almost kind of uh, reawakened a lot of real estate owners to recognize that brand is actually incredibly important and exactly the language you're using, which is like, you think about your tenants, you think about your tenants first, their needs, their priorities. And then how does any flex offering, right? Whether it's retail co-working or whether it's flex space for one of your existing tenants and one of your existing floors, how is that congruent with their priorities? And right. I think what's so interesting about that is it kind of enables the landlord to build real brand equity with their tenants. Mm-hmm. There's this trusted, more consultative, more dynamic relationship. And it's almost, it's almost like co-working or flex office becomes a tool in that, in that yeah. toolkit, that kind of customer centricity, that, that mindset. I think that's right. And we really, you know, we have a very strong view that, the you know the real estate world is really moving towards the end user towards the tenants and you know we are very focused on how do we as a company really orient ourselves to solve you know our tenants broad space needs and you know i think what's exciting for heinz is you know as the the type of company that we are that i described at the beginning that really offers you know services across um, you know, the risk spectrum fully vertically integrated and across all asset classes is, is, you know, we really can come and say, what, what are your challenges? What are your space needs, issues, um, you know, complexities, and how can we help you strategically think through them and solve those, those challenges? But you have to approach it from the tenant first, tenant centricity um, mindset. Absolutely. And going back to something you said earlier about, you know, how the demand for flex office changes. One of the, one of the interesting things is like one of the ways I think about real estate is it's just the commercialization of physical space, right? Like you just, people need to conduct their lives and the economy needs to to be conducted in physical space, regardless of whether that's a lawyer or a manufacturing company, right? Like it needs to happen in physical space. And you know, landlords are trying to figure out based on location, based on asset type, how do you maximize um, and how do you build that best, the best relationship with your customers by monetizing space? How do you think the, the kind of big sociological migration trends that are kind of afoot now because of COVID, how do you think that intersects with flex office? Do you, do you see a world where there's more demand for flex office because the ways people are commercializing space changes? You know, I think we're still we're still in a period of unknown. So I'll caveat it caveat it that way a little bit. But you know, I do think that um, what at least as we sit here today, being in the unknown, you know, I think um, when you're in a period of uncertainty, you value flexibility, right? 
And, um, you know, I think that what that means is that companies will continue to increasingly value an opportunity for flexibility. I think especially in the near term as companies are figuring out how they're coming back, how they need or don't need space and what they want out of their space, I think the more flexibility they can they can incorporate in, in figuring that out is going to be valuable. And so, um, and then, you know, I think beyond that, uh, to me, COVID has really accelerated a lot of trends we were already seeing in the industry. And I think that, um, you know, as we think about how companies are going to be using office space moving forward, you know, I think in the, near term, we've all been pleasantly surprised at how effective we can be working from home. And I think there's some real benefits and lessons to be learned from that. Um, and I think portions of the workforce absolutely will continue to work from home, at least on some sort of partial basis. And, um, you know, certain portions of the workforce probably will continue to work from home on a fairly permanent basis. I think where, um, where that will have an impact on office space is probably more at the commodity level um, because the type of work that can be extremely effective over the long term from home, I think is a bit more, is less collaborative and more, um, more of sort of the straightforward uh, day, day work. That's what I you think mean more by com commodity, meaning like it, it can be done in almost an outsourced kind of distributed fashion. It doesn't need exactly. to be done adjacent to the people you're collaborating with. Exactly. And so I think on the real estate side, the space that will be impacted by that is the more sort of commodity office space that was accommodating that type of work. Um, I think what we are, certainly what Heinz is seeing and feeling at, you know, at our company is what is missing in a work, in a full work from home environment is a place to come together and really um, establish culture, establish norms, establish working relationships, collaborate, innovate together. You know, that it's just, it's significantly harder to do all of that over Zoom. And um, we do really believe that, you know, there is a need, companies have a need for that, that space to come together and to do that type of work. I think, uh, you know, I think long-term innovation and creativity will be significantly harmed if we don't, you know, get back to, to space like that. And, you know, in my mind, that's really just accelerating, you know, a trend we were already seeing about, you know, office as an experience and creating that experience for your employees where they can be their most productive, their most creative, their most innovative. And so, you know, I think that we'll see sort of that, that differentiated space really accelerate coming out of this. And you know, I think companies will just, will be working through how they um, allocate their needs to, you know, to that type of space, to some sort of some flexibility as well for, you know, for their employees that are coming, you know, maybe spending part of their time at home. Um, and then, you know, probably seeing an impact to commodity office space. And, and there's, there's kind of an interesting corollary there, right? With, 
with what happened and what has been happening in retail as well, which is to some extent, if you, if you were to use that phrase kind of commodity um, retail, which is the, the notion that you have to go to a physical store to buy paper towels. Um, I think everyone now, it's almost like COVID just accelerated this trend where it was thrust on them. Actually, they don't need to do that. They don't need to go to the store for those things. And in some ways it's almost put a higher premium on like really differentiated experiential retail, the things that you simply cannot do in a virtual environment. I was having a conversation the other day and it was like, you can't get a haircut virtually. That's always gonna happen offline. Um, and that's an extreme example, but just like how brands have thought about building truly differentiated retail real estate that is branded. And if you look at that in the office space, what I'm kind of hearing you say is like, yeah, the, the fact that we all were working in the same office or some companies were, and some people were just staring at their computers all day, not interacting with anyone. Well, yeah, of course that can be disrupted or disintermediated with virtual work. But it's, it's really that more experiential, higher touch, more collaborative, more culturally relevant work around building an organization that it, it feels impossible to do on Zoom. And I'm curious, it, it, as that's true, do you think the questions that, that start to get asked of landlords are different? And the reason I, I think about that is like, I think the questions I would ask today of a landlord around space design and you know, what I want my office to look like for my employees, they'd be much less premised on like quiet work, you know, the, the, the quiet, yeah. solitary, computer-based work that is a part of what we do. And it would probably be much more focused on collaborative work and culture building activities and team cohesion. So do you think that starts to change for companies big and small? I think absolutely. And I think, um, you know, as companies then start to think about what their, their space is within buildings, they're going to be asking questions of their own space of, you know, how much space do we really need for the quiet work within our footprint? Um, versus how much are we really dedicating to that collaborative, you know, aspect of how we work and, and what's important there. And I think then in terms of what they may ask of landlords is what does your building offer and what does the surrounding area or location or, um, you know, integrated, the build, how, the, how the building integrates into the fabric of, um, of where it, sits, what does that do for my employee base to, you know, to really get to that next level of work um, where they are really pushing forward and it's, it's um, you know, it's something that we, we can't do anywhere else. What makes your space unique to help my company create a culture and really push, push its work? Um, and so, you know, it's a, it's a hard question, but I also think, frankly, it's not unexpected. It's something that we've been, we've been working towards, you know, I think for several years and in that, you know, that is where the future of work has been going. And, um, this is really just accelerating it and putting it more forefront <laughs> i think about it like there's that you know that old adage like how do you make a house a home right meaning like how do you how do you endow it with you know this emotional charge and the sentimentality and that's obviously you know on a more personal level but 
it's kind of like the same thing in office, right? Which is like, how do you make an office that is endowed with like the, the, the place, the resting place of your culture, right? Where your team comes together. And, and that's a different calculus, I feel like for, for tenants. Um, I wanted to ask you about something else because in some ways there, there are all these trends that as you mentioned um, were happening well before COVID that have now just been accelerated. But one of the things that feels at least uh, newer, although it wasn't actually new, it was just more it dawned on us, is this intersection, this conjunction between like public health, right? And, and, and the responsibility of keeping a city or a society safe with respect to a pandemic like the one we're in now and the physical spaces we inhabit. Um, and I know you've entered into this really interesting partnership with the Mayo Clinic. Can you just talk about how Heinz has taken a forward posture around public health and real estate? Sure. Um, you know, I think it's a really interesting question. And again, I think you're exactly right that this was already on people's minds leading into, um, into the pandemic in the sense that, you know, I think we've always believed that, well, maybe I'll take a step back and say, you know, sustainability as, as a concept has always been a core tenant of what Heinz has um, valued and what we think makes, um, you know, is critical to making a building really highest quality and sort of the best contribution to um, the community in which it's in, as well as, you know, for its tenants and investors. And, you know, I think one thing that, you know, has evolved in our thinking over the past many years has been that sustainability not also, not only includes how, it in, how a building impacts, you know, its environment, but also how it impacts the well-being of the people that are working and spending time within it. Um, not uh, the well-being, the health, the productivity, et cetera. Well, and so just on that is I feel like it's almost not the responsibility of, you know, the occupants of a building to think through that. And it's, it's really the landlords that are now really having to think through these questions. And it's, it, it feels a bit like um, office tenants or, you know, the occupant of any building is now realizing how much responsibility they put in the hands of their landlords and how gravely that responsibility is being taken. Yeah. I mean, you could almost see it a little bit like how LEED has evolved for sustainability where, you know, there is a big component that is the responsibility of the landlord relative to the base building. And then there is a, you know, there's a component that's also the responsibility of the tenant that, you know, has LEED space within the building to, you know, help support that sustainability effort. You know, I think the same could be applied to wellness in that there are some responsibilities, you know, on, um, on the shoulders of the landlord for the base building and what you know the building as an envelope can do, um, and then there are things that tenants can do for you know within their space for their own employees to be thinking about that as well. Um, and you know, as we started to develop this thinking, we um, you know back in, in 2017 really became a founding partner of the Well Living Lab, which is uh, really run out of the Mayo Clinic to start thinking about how, you know, how does space affect, you know, our, our wellness, our health, our productivity, and how can we be part of thinking, you know, some forward thinking about where, you know, where that should be going. Um, obviously, 
this is a very obvious ex example of how COVID has accelerated some of the uh, priorities and thinking there. Um, you know, I, we've, we've spent some time internally in Heinz and, you know, our thinking is that, you know, well certification, well, um, you know, the, the priorities around well are going to become as important, if not more important than priorities around lead and sustainability. And so, um, you know, I think this becomes an incredibly important aspect for the real estate industry. Um, we're really exciting. We're really excited about the work that has been going on over this past six months or so through um, the Mayo Clinic and, and the Well Living Lab. You know, it, it's also a partnership with Delos and, and Cushman and Wakefield um, to really be thinking about, you know, what are the impacts of, um, you know, our our air systems within our building um, relative to uh, the spread of, of COVID and more generally, you know, how do we need to think about distancing within space um, and how can we help companies think about a return to, you know, to the office space in moving forward? You know, and I think um, all of this research is really, it's, it's a combination of, you know, scientific research with, you know, the physical um, implementation of that. And, you know, what we're trying to do is really lend our perspective to think about, you know, how can we take, how can we take scientific findings and make them really applicable and actionable for real estate space and for those who are, uh, who own space, who manage space and who use the space. Um, you know, the three big areas that we're spending time on are focused on one air and everything, everything related to, you know, ventilation, filtration, temperature, humidity, how air flows through spaces and, you know, what impacts those have. Um, the second is surfaces and, you know, wh what we need to be thinking about relative to, to surfaces and high impact um, opportunities there. And then the last piece is human behavior. And so, you know, I think um, really uh, continuing to push forward on that front, I'd say it's a little bit early uh, to have absolute conclusions out of that. But, um, you know, I think really such a, a big opportunity as we, you know, are all learning and, and trying to, to move through this. Right, and so important, um, obviously, and, and, and timely. And you mentioned, you know, both uh, human behavior and surfaces, which um, just makes me think of something I know we've talked a lot to Heinz about, which is like, how do you make buildings smarter, right? Like it, the number of touch points that uh, an entrant to a building has to have with surfaces and with other people could be eliminated. And in so eliminating them, you do eliminate at least some of the risk associated with uh, the pandemic um, or pathogen. So how do you think about the future of connect, what is kind of broadly defined as like smart buildings or connected buildings? Like, I'm not asking for the specifics, but more like at a high level, what does that mean? Um, like what should the occupier of a building expect their building to do for them in like 2030? 
Sure. You know, I mean, I think, I think it's a really exciting and yet complicated space. Um, and it's almost like there, there is so much low hanging fruit um, in this space, but also a lot of challenges connecting it, connecting the dots across, um, you know, building systems, tenants, owners, um, and, you know, various types of technology. Um, you know, I think that we really think about it in terms of, again, coming back to sort of that tenant centric experience. What is, and, you know, I think this is how you ask the question, which is the right way is, you know, what should a tenant expect and what, what do they really need out of their building to, you know, to make their experience better? And then how can technology and sort of the connected smart building help to contribute to meeting that need or exceeding that need, if you will. Um, and so, you know, I think um, it's an area that we're, that we're focused. Um, and I think the challenge that we have is just how dispersed some of this technology is and how you bring it all together in a way that is truly interconnected. Um, I think, you know, things like COVID will accelerate certain types of technology, as you, as you mentioned. Right. Um, but, you know, I think it's going to take some time to really march toward a place where, um, you know, we can bring all of, all of this technology together in a way that is seamless. Because I think we're, until it's to the point where it is fairly seamless for the end user, it's still not quite there. Um, but you know, we certainly see the opportunity and we've been working with you guys quite a bit to evaluate, you know, where do we start to push into where, you know, knowing we're not going to have the full package on day one, what are the most impactful smart technologies that we can start to integrate into our buildings in ways that, um, that makes sense and will have the most impact for our tenants or for our end user. So I, I do absolutely believe this is where the world is heading. This is where real estate is heading. Um, you know, as I think about as well from our perspective, from the owner's perspective, you know, all the, and, and you know, and from a, a manager of the building's perspective, you know, both of our, our hats, if you will, you know, all of the information and data that can and could come from, you know, a much more connected building only helps us to do our job better and serve our tenants better. And so, you know, we're very focused on the opportunity to really push into that and, and sort of make it a virtuous cycle. Um, but, you know, I think we still feel like there's some steps along the way to get there. And, but also how exciting, right, for, for Heinz Absolutely. as an organization with such a global footprint across so many different asset classes. I mean, it's complicated. I totally appreciate yeah. that. And the vertical integration probably makes it more complicated, but just what an awesome opportunity to, um, to pursue. Um, well, Laura, th this has been really interesting um, to just get your perspective on all this. And thanks so much for, um, for chatting today, Laura. Yeah, thank you. And uh, stay well. Hopefully get some good hiking in those mountains that I'm seeing behind you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to probably take my dog out for a hike after this.
So thanks. Uh, <laughs> you look pretty relaxed back there. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, she, she basically sunbathes <laughs> while while I'm <laughs> while I'm on calls all day. She's got a rough. I've got my dogs behind me, so it's 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 the way to go these days. <laughs> um, well, thanks again, Laura. Thanks so much, Brendan. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fly on the Wall. All of these episodes and more are available on our YouTube channel. To learn more about Fifth Wall, visit our website at www.fifthwall.com.